Um, let's see how it goes. There are, there are some things that I've been trying to get deeper into. And today, let's see how deep we can get. Happy Women's Day. Yeah, so happy Women's Day to all the women. Um, praise God. Okay, you yeah, are such wonderful people. Wouldn't be where we are without you. Those are the things that they go to teach us at the men's conference. Praise God. So be allowing people to go for men's conferences. We are taught how to acknowledge things like women, Women's Day and the like. So happy Women's Day. We have been dealing with the subject of grace, right? The word of his grace. And we've taken it through an, an entire journey. I think we talked about the atonement. We talked about the law. What else did we talk about? We talked about the ultimate messenger. And then we talked about the ultimate message. And then last week we talked about you shall know the truth. So this week now we are starting to really go into what grace really is. And I ask that we've got a very open heart because this stuff will change your life. It will. And today is, it's, it's simple. We're going to be talking about the gift of grace. The gift of grace. Somebody say the gift of grace. Interestingly, we are not yet defining grace. When we define it, we'll have about two or three definitions. But today we are talking about the gift of grace. The gift of grace. Somebody say the gift of grace. I'm sure those whose names are Grace are very happy right now. How many people here do we have named Grace? Just lift your hands, let me see. Grace, how many? Let me see the hands of those named Grace. I'm sure you're saying, this is my weight. It is my ceremony. <laughs> and then those who are, have been attending the midweek, I'm sure you're happy if your name is Faith. Because we've been talking about faith. Okay, so we are talking about the gift of grace. The gift of grace. And in my objectives for today's lesson, I'm not supposed to be saying that, eh? That's how you know <laughs> I'm studying teaching methodology. Anyways, in my objectives for today's lesson, my aim is for you to understand how grace is a gift and what it really means to have a gift. And you see it from a light you may not have seen it before. So we're dealing with the gift of grace. Last year I had a dream. And I think I told some of you about it. I should have told the church about it. In the dream, I was teaching on a certain scripture. And when I spoke on that scripture, there was a part I was about to reach. And there was a revelation I was giving, which even I didn't know. And as I was doing that, there were some people who were a bit distracted. This one had to do this. This one remembered they exist. This one remembered they exist. And the revelation was cut short. The moment I woke up, I heard the Lord say, train your people to pay attention. If they do that, I'll release more revelation. So in case you are wondering, that's why if you walk out during the sermon, people give you a look. Worse off if you are in that section. And you've come with a cascona. <laughs> Praise God. So just pretend it's that hour of an exam where you're not allowed to walk out. It would really be helpful unless it's something that's beyond your control. Praise God. And you know, sometimes it's so funny. You find someone is walking from that side and preaching, then they'll stop there and look at me first like. <laughs> and then they'll go. But nevertheless, I also decided to go on a journey and begin to teach the basics, knowing that if we can have the foundations strong, then we can move on to other things. So we are talking about the gift of grace. Okay, so let's go to John chapter number 1, and let's read verse 16 and verse 17. 
book of Johanna, chapter number 1, verse 16 and 17. Maybe from verse 14 for purposes of context. Remember from verse 1, it, it tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it begins to describe certain things about the Word and how those who received Him are His children. So now it tells us what the Word became. It says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If a person met Jesus, then they met God's glory. If the person met Jesus, they've met the Father. If a person met Jesus, they've met the Spirit. That's why when Jesus was asked, show us where the Father is, he said, haven't you seen me? Don't you know when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? You can imagine it. Eh? People had a cup of tea with God. There's one person, God even asked them for water. And she was stripping. There's a donkey he sat on. The donkey was, we don't even know if the donkey knew who was sitting. Praise God. May we never be in a place where we can't recognize what God is doing. And yet what they experienced is not as good as what we have. Are you aware? Have you ever observed something? How many of you remember when Peter denied Jesus? Do you really think it's because I, I've heard sermons and people say, hey, Peter was a coward. And so when the Holy Spirit came, he became bold. Now, I do agree that that was a very cowardly moment. But I don't think Peter was a coward. I think from among the disciples, he could have been the bravest. Isn't he the same guy who got a sword and hit someone's ear and it fell off? You know what I think happened to Peter? His strength failed. It reached its maximum. No wonder Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. There's a place that it reached. Because on your own, there's only so far you can go. There's only how moral you can get. There's only how strong you can be. Eventually it fails. Why do we have it better? Because the one who was standing next to them, the one who was Emmanuel to them, the one who was God with us, for us is God in us. The one who they, the one who tabernacled among them, tabernacles in us. That's why you find that people who never even met Jesus were braver than Peter before he, before he got born again, before the Spirit came to dwell in him. So we'll leave that for another day for now. But let's go on. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. That shows you something. Even when it comes to the message, Jesus' message is preferred before John's. Remember, there was a gentleman called Apollos who was preaching accurately, but he didn't know much. He only knew up to John's baptism. So he was telling people about the kingdom which was coming. But there was something better. Let's go on. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. He says, of his fullness we have all received. Not in partiality, not some of it, not a little bit of it. We've received of his fullness. Somebody say, I've received of his fullness. Now verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Somebody say grace. grace. So we are talking about the gift of grace. Now, I want us to understand that grace is a gift. But it's a kind of gift that's not like just one item. It's, it's a package. That's why it says of his fullness we have received grace for grace. It's a package. There are many things contained in this package. But grace is a gift. 
Somebody say, it is a gift. And we'll look at what the scripture says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Say it again. Say, grace is a gift. We're going somewhere. Ephesians 2, verse 8. 1, 2, 3. Let's read together. You're afraid of your accents. Can we read? One, two, three, go. So grace is a gift. And it's not just a gift, it is the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God. And it's by this grace that we have been saved. I'll read it one more time so it sinks in. So for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And like I say, this is a gift that it's a package. It's a package. There are so many elements you can find in it. It's a package. It's an entire package. I'll give you an example. Give me Romans 6, 23. I just want to show you some things contained in this package. How many of you know that sin is a very obedient master? It's got wages, and so it pays them out. Not so. I mean, if you work for somebody, they have to pay you. So sin pays. This is what it pays. Let's read. For the wages of sin is death. So sin has got a payment. It gives its salary in full. But there is something greater. Come on. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So are you seeing we're beginning to break down this package that was given? And what's in it? There is eternal life. And it is a gift from God. Say after me, say grace is a gift. Let's look at one more thing. Give me Romans 5. Let's read verse 15 to 17. Romans 5 verse 15. The Bible says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Hold on here. What, what this is trying to say is this. Look, Adam gifted us. Adam blessed us with a sinful nature. Now, if we believe that by one man's sinning, everyone became sinful, how much more by one man being righteous and giving us freely grace? Praise God. It, 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 you have to really decide which Adam you identify with. Aha, verse 16. <laughs> and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. You know what justification is? It means you are acquitted and you are made righteous. You are acquitted and you are made righteous. There are charges that have been pressed against you. And the judge says, you are acquitted. That means no matter what anybody thinks, no matter who thinks you are guilty, no one has got the right to imprison you. And if they do, you can get, if they, if they, if they try to do that, it's kidnapping. And the police will defend you. Let me say that again. Here is this person that we all think is wrong. They go before the courts of law and the judge says, acquitted. No one has got the right to call them guilty. And if, if they are not careful, they can live like a prisoner when they are free. By the way, they don't have to go to the judge every week saying, am I still free? Am I? <laughs> Once they are acquitted, they are acquitted. Okay, let's, let's continue. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Are you seeing what else is contained in this package? Righteousness. Without taking anything for granted, let me just clarify. 
every person who is saved is righteous. Let me say that again. Every person who is saved is not trying to be righteous. They are righteous. A person who is born again is righteous. If somebody got born again today and I led them to Christ, I am not any more righteous than they are. That's like giving birth to a child and you think you're more human than them. They're just as human as you are. Maybe you've just developed. Let me, let me, let me put it in a way that's... Let me amplify that a bit more. If someone got born again today and they stood next to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you asked who is more righteous, it's the same righteousness. That's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says, God made he who had no sin to become sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, it's interesting that sometimes we apply certain things in the negative, but don't want to apply them in the positive. Let me tell you what I mean. I mean, in the world of social media, I think the biggest thing we see online is don't judge me. We all have our own sins. In short, what people are saying is, you and, of course, I'm not in that conversation. What they are saying among themselves is that they each have what they do, so they're each as sinful as the other. In short, if any of them was to stand next to Adam, they're as sinful as Adam, and Adam is as sinful as them, because that sin was passed on. In the same vein, then, why should we have trouble when it comes to righteousness? If we don't have trouble, if we didn't have trouble identifying with the sin of the first Adam, why should we have trouble identifying with the righteousness of the second one? Praise God. As we go further in this series, we'll discuss what righteousness is. Now, notice it says that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are you seeing that level? Do you know what that means? The righteousness of God means the, right, the same righteousness God has. He freely gives. It's a gift. If a person gives birth to someone, that person has got the right to use their last name. Has got the same privileges that they have with when it comes to that last name. Nobody can come and say, hey, why are you using this last name? It's yours. You got it. You are born with it. Praise the Lord. So what I'm trying to say is grace is a gift. It's a package. And in this package, you'll notice the gift of eternal life. In this package, you observe the gift of righteousness. And there are many other things we can talk about. But grace is a gift. It's a package. It's been given to you. Now, when it comes to a gift, I want us to identify something. A gift normally contains two parties. There is the giver and there is the receiver. Is, is somebody following? Are we following that side? Hey, that side, are we following? Okay, wonderful. One of you was shouting more than the rest. <laughs> Pastor, anyone? <laughs> okay, this side, are we following? Okay. I it is well. So now, <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say is that whenever there is a gift, there is always a giver and a receiver. There is a giver and a receiver. And generally, that's the way life is, not so. Even with communication, there is a sender, there is a receiver. So whenever there is a gift, there is a giver and there is a receiver. And for you to understand the gift, the person you're supposed to talk to is not the receiver, it's the giver. You have to understand the gift from the giver's perspective. Because the receiver's perspective might be flawed. They might not understand what that gift really means. Is somebody following? Have you ever, how many of you have ever been in, in a situation where a little one tears up some money that, or how many of you have ever bought a toy for a child and 
the moment you buy it, first thing, I don't know whether they're trying to experiment how it was made, and, and the like, first thing you see, on the floor, broken in two. They never, they never understood it. Or how many of you have seen that situation? Maybe some people's parents give them school fees. I heard of a certain guy who's a legend. At home, the parents thought he was in fourth year. Can she? Do you school fees? The guy was having party after party. You know, there are schools that have now started allowing parents access to the portal because they got too many complaints about some people doing party after party after party with the school fees. So meaning, you would come to the guy and think he has money, but you don't understand the purpose of that money because you've not spoken to the one who gave it. If you have to understand something, understand it first from the perspective of the giver. So, it's like in communication. The person who's sending a message encodes it. In my head, I've got a message. What do I want to do? I want to tell the church, Happy Women's Day. So what do I do? I put it in such a way that the church can understand. So I'll not say it in French, because the majority of people here don't speak French. I'll try to put it in a language that they know. And so I'll say, Happy Women's Day. And then hopefully, if they understand what I'm trying to say, they'll receive it in that context. We're going somewhere. You can tell it. So what I'm trying to say is that for the gift of grace, you will never fully understand it if you're seeing it from your point of view. If you're always seeing it from the human perspective. You have to see it first from the divine perspective. You love the Bible like that. If you can see everything from God's perspective, that would be better. Praise God. I can tell you are being blessed. So from God's perspective, why don't we hear a view from the ultimate messenger? How many of you know who the ultimate messenger is? Who is the ultimate messenger? The Bible says in the past God spoke through his prophets, but now he has spoken through his son. So meaning the son is the ultimate messenger. There is no one who will speak a clearer message, no one who will speak a better message. And if any person changes the message, they are not God's prophet. Because now he has spoken through his son. And he doesn't have plans of changing it. He doesn't have plans of changing his speech. So the ultimate messenger decided to share with us something. And I, I, I kept reading these verses over and over again. And let's look at it. Matthew 13, we'll look at two. Matthew 13, verse 44. One of the parables which was finished in one verse. This is grace from the perspective of the one who gave it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Let me let that sink a little. Can we try the NLT? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. There is something I found interesting. It's not just the treasure he was interested in. He was interested in the field that was possessing the treasure. And the Bible says he sold all he had. Now, We'll get back to this. But I want you to understand that he decided to get the field. We are not told whether the field had wins. We are not told maybe there were some unpleasant things on the field. He didn't care. What he wanted was a treasure. He knew there was a treasure in that field. And he sold all he had to buy the entire field for the sake of the treasure. Meaning everything else about the field becomes his possession. It's his field. And it's now his responsibility to deal with everything else for the sake of that treasure. Next verse. The very next parable is in the next verse. Give me the New King James. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Hold on. Now, for those who don't know what a merchant is, they are still there right now. These are people who sell on behalf of somebody else. But 
In the Middle East, the merchants were really big. These were the wealthy people. Okay, so this, this is like a serious businessman. Next verse. Who, when he had found one pearl, somebody says one pearl, of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Uh-huh. We're done. Just, just that one. The man killed his business. How do you sell all that you have to buy that one pearl? Here is what I want to what, what I want us to understand about grace from the perspective of the giver. It's interesting that many other times we try to relate with God from our perspective. And so that's why you notice that many songs that talk about our salvation are really sad. And people don't mind all sorts of terms on themselves. Somehow a person won't mind identifying themselves as a rich. Is that really how he saw you, according to the scriptures? Somehow, a person won't mind saying, oh Lord, you looked at me and just saw filth, but you still came for me. But that's not what the Bible is telling us he saw. That's not actually what the Bible is telling us he saw. That's from our perspective, not his. And you know, we are living in a world where you have to earn everything. We're living in a world where you have to, everything is a competition. You're competing for the best in the class. You're competing for few school places. You're competing for few jobs. Even at the same workplace, you're competing for the same office. So everything you have to be graded. Others are competing over who's slimmer. Others are competing over who's taller. Others are competing over who's shorter. Others are competing over who's got longer hair. But that's, can you imagine? It's, it's a world where you have to earn everything. You have to earn the right to be worth something in this world. But that's not his perspective. That's not his view. The Bible doesn't say he looked down and saw a wretch. The Bible doesn't say he looked down and saw someone worthless. The Bible doesn't say he looked down and saw an alcoholic. It says he looked down, he, he saw a treasure. He went to a field and saw a treasure. Like I said, ignoring the weeds, ignoring everything else that could be in the field. He went and bought the entire field for the sake of that treasure. Grace from his perspective. And the second part really amazes me. The Bible says, this merchant was in the business of pearls. He found one. There's something, there's something, there's something. Maybe that's why there's that verse. I've got a feeling, who knows, maybe it's an angel who asked, saying, who is man that you are mindful of him? And he says, you've made him a little lower than Elohim. And I'll tell you something. Every giver takes pleasure when you understand the gift from his perspective, not from yours. So if you keep identifying as being a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, that's not really what he saw, is it? According to him, he saw a pearl. He saw something precious. He saw something worth giving up everything for. And he, that merchant sold his business. In short, he's not looking again. He's not trying to create another race. He's not looking for another species. The lions can, the lions can do whatever they want. They can, they can do whatever they want to do with each other. The horses can do whatever they want. Even the angels, he didn't say that in them. But when he looked at you, and I want you to personalize this. As far as he was concerned, he looked and said, this is someone I don't want to spend heaven without. Someone said, what about the field? He's saying, what about the treasure? What about the field? What about the treasure? I can deal with the field. I'm interested in the treasure. And if it has to cost me everything I have to get this one pearl, 
then I'll give it up. Praise God. I want you to say after me. Say, I'm special. Say, I'm a treasure. I'm that pearl. I think you need to say it again. Say, I'm special. I'm a treasure. I'm that pearl. Say, I'm his beloved. And I can tell you something. We get to understand grace more when we identify them with what he sees us as than with what we think of ourselves. Haven't you observed that people easily identify with the weaker things? People always want to identify with the standard parts. Let's go back, verse 3. 